0: Good evening and welcome to our Bible study, and if you have your Bibles, please stay with me to the book of Job. And we're going to read Job chapter 2. We did start this chapter last week, but we'll read the whole chapter just to remind ourselves as to what we've already seen. So it's Job chapter 2, starting to read at verse 1. On another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth, going to and fro on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. "'Skin for skin,' Satan replied. "'A man will give all he has for his own life. "'But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, "'and he will surely curse you to your face.' "'The Lord said to Satan, "'Very well then, he is in your hands, "'but you must spare his life.' "'So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord "'and afflicted Job with painful sores "'from the soles of his feet and to the crown of his head.' And Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphath the Temanite, Bildad the Shushite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes to meet together by agreement, to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you again for the the opportunity we have to gather around your word. And we ask now that you just bless these words to us, and we ask these things In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, on this section uh, this evening, I want us to look really from verse 7. And we'll probably get down to verse 10. And I've titled this, Family and Friends. So, let's just take a couple of verses from what we've just read. Verse 7 and verse 8. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Now this is where we left Job last week. As he was still suffering from the effects of Satan's last attack on his loved ones and all his possessions. Now Satan attacks Job physically. And we know that Satan's objective is for Job to curse God so that Satan can then say that Job and, by implication, the rest of mankind are only serving God for what they can get out of him and not because God is worthy of our worship. You know, Satan's greatest weapons are his lies and his deception let's ask a question how did he get Adam to disobey God well we need to go back to Genesis Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 this is Satan speaking did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden what he's doing here is he is sowing seeds of doubt in Eve's mind if we go to verse 4 of Genesis 1 He went on and said, You will not certainly die. What's he doing here? He's telling an outright lie. Down to verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So what's he doing here? He deceives Eve and he gives her a false justification. She sees it it looks good, and he plants the seed in their mind that it is good for them to have. With lies and deception, he successfully deceives Eve, who then convinces their husband, who by the way is there with her at this time, but she convinces him that this is a right thing for them to do. Let's move on into Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 to 11 and there we have the accounts of Jesus in the wilderness where Satan tempts him or tries to tempt him. In verse 3 of Matthew 4, Satan said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In verse 6 he said, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Then in verse 9, All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What Satan is doing here, he is twisting God's words. He is telling half-truths, which in actual fact are lies. On that occasion, Satan failed and left. But here is a word of warning for us this evening And this is from Peter. Peter himself was warned by Jesus that Satan had a desire to sift him and the apostles. We read that in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 22. Let's just look at verse 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Peter here is hearing the words of Jesus. And from Peter's experience and from the instruction that Jesus gave him on that occasion, Peter is warning us. And he does this, one of the places is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. So this is Peter speaking to us, the voice of experience. And he says, be alert and sober mind. Or be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know, Peter there refers to the roaring lion. You know, the roaring lion, when he prowls, he can be as quiet as a mouse. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, and this is chapter 11, verse 14. And this is Paul, the apostle Paul speaking. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So let's take these thoughts with us as we go back to the book of Job and we read verse 9 of chapter 2. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, in this verse, we are introduced to Job's wife. Now, I said at the start of this Bible study that we will be called upon to challenge our preconceived ideas and our assumptions. And here we have this woman mentioned in this very short verse, followed by the next verse, which is a rebuke from Job. Now, you know, as far as we men are concerned, is this the nagging wife? Well, let's think about that. First of all, this woman is a witness to Job's integrity the one who is closest to him, who knows him better than anyone else on earth. And without knowing it, she is confirming to us that her opinion of her husband is the same as God's opinion of him. Secondly, she too has suffered the loss of her children, her friends, her financial support and their status in society. Now she's seeing her husband suffering physical pain so bad that he's taken himself away to the city dump, where he's having to scrape the boils and the sores on his body with a broken piece of pottery, in an attempt to ease the pain that he's in. Thirdly, she's a broken woman who sees her husband suffer in such a way, and she's thinking that it would be better for Job to die. And the way for him to die would be for him to curse God. You know, we've got to see all this in context and we have to see the uniqueness of what is happening here. Satan has been given control of this situation. His objective is for Job to curse God. He's now using Job's wife to achieve this. We have been given no reason to believe that Job's wife is not a godly woman. A woman who loves her husband. Remember, God has blessed Job. And one of the blessings was that Job had a loving family. So Satan here is sowing seeds of doubt. Doubt about what his wife knows about God. And she's more than likely thinking, how can God allow this to happen to this most godly man? It is possible that she spoke in anger against God when she said to Job, Curse God and die. It's also possible that she spoke those words to Job as a loving wife, asking him to do what she sees best for him. Job, curse God and and, and die. In this situation, we know that Satan, in his prowling lion-like angel of light, lying and deceptive way is manipulating and using every means at his disposal. And his aim is to get Job to curse God. You know, he did it with Eve. When she enticed her husband Adam to sin on that occasion, Satan succeeded. Will he succeed with Job's wife? Well, let's find out. Let's go to verse 10 of chapter 2. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now again, we don't know whether Job spoke these words to his wife in an angry way or with the words of consolation and correction. But what we do know is that he was a godly man. And a part of him, that godly part, had not changed. He was still a man of integrity. And noticed that he didn't call his wife a fool. He said that she was talking like a foolish woman. You see, he could see that she was talking out of character. This is... It's not like you to say these things. It's not like you to ask me to curse God and die. Well, what do we know? Well, we know what the Lord tells us about him. In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. What we know is what we read. But I think it would be wrong of us if we jumped to the conclusion of seeing this woman as a nagging wife. You know, filmmakers sometimes base their characters on preconceived ideas and stereotypical people. The stereotypical Englishman sometimes, or most times, seems to have a very posh accent. And on some occasions, he wears a bowler hat. A lot of people portray a Scotsman with red hair and deep pockets. So we must be careful that we don't jump to conclusions about other believers. Especially when we don't have all the facts about their spiritual state. And the important thing is that we're learning here that the Lord wants us to see is that in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And it's for us too take an example from him so satan has tried to use job's nearest and dearest now he will use his friends i want us just to stop for a moment as we consider how these events remind us of the life of jesus we have seen that satan in the wilderness failed in his attempt to turn jesus away from the will of the father And on that occasion, we read that Satan left him. But that didn't mean that Satan would stop. He carried on. What about the family of Jesus? Well, we go to Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Then Jesus entered a house and began. uh, Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. That was what they were thinking at that time. We praise God that they they saw the truth of who Jesus was later. But on that occasion, they went in to that place when all those people were there. And when Jesus was with them, and they said to all those people, out of his mind. Or about the friends of Jesus? Mark 8 verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, Jesus here is being let down by his friend, Peter luke 23 uh, luke 22 verse 3 and satan entered judas called this iscariot one of the twelve so this is judas one of the twelve one of his chosen disciples who became his betrayer and you know these things that we're looking at these are the things that the prophets said would happen So, as we continue to watch how Job suffered, he himself will become an example to us when we are suffering. As we observe Job's friends, we will see how not to act when we seek to comfort others. We're going to come to that in our next session. But here are a few thoughts for us this evening to take with us as we leave the narrative part of the book of Job and enter into what is the prose and poetic part of most of the remaining text. And it is a long book. But we're going to go through it together. And we need to remember these things as we go. Remember that Job's wife was a believer. Remember that Job's friends are believers in the Lord. And you're going to see that they can quote scripture. They can form opinions. They can reach conclusions. They will think that they are right. And they even try to second-guess God. Now I hope that at some time or other, I and you will recognize our own shortcomings as we seek to learn from the mistakes that are made by Job's friends. Now we all know that this is not an easy boot to digest but you know as with a good meal we will remember not everything about it but one thing that we will remember is that it's done us good. I was thinking about, you know, when you sit down for a really nice meal, really enjoyable meal. And if you're like me, what I do is I look at it and I see what is, for me, the best part of the meal. And I usually put it to one side of the plate and I leave it there while I eat the meal. And all the time that I'm eating the meal, I'm keeping in mind that little bit that I've put to one side. And that little bit is going to go through me. Through, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. That little bit is going to go through my mind as I anticipate the goodness of the meal I'm eating and that little bit that I'm going to enjoy towards the end. Now, here's a thought to keep, as it were, on your plate as we travel through the book of Job. And this is it. The Lord blesses us when we worship him and not, Because we worship him. The The Lord blesses us when we worship him. And he doesn't bless us because we worship him. There's another little snippet to keep in mind. We worship the Lord for who he is. And our faith is in what he has done. We still have it as it were, a full plate on the table before us. But as we continue, take those thoughts with you as we go. Now, next week, we're going to be introduced to Job's friends. So we can look forward to that. But in the meantime, let's just pray. Father, we thank you again for this evening and the way we've been able to gather around your word, and our uh, Father, we just pray that you will teach us what you would have us know from this book of Job. Our uh, Father, it is a difficult book, it is a long book. There is a lot for us to take in. Our uh, Father, let us take those things that we will remember the things that we learn about you and we learn about ourselves, and we learn about each other. Our Father, we know that there will be times of suffering in our lives. Nothing to the level that Job suffered. And certainly not to the level that your son suffered. But our Father, we just pray that you will teach us how to deal with these situations in our lives as they arrive. Whether we are the one who is suffering or the one who is seeking to comfort. Our Father, we know that you are the great perfect. Comforter. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.